seated. Mark chapter 13 this morning. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Before the last service, I wasn't quite sure how this sermon was going to go. And then after doing it the first service, I'll tell you this, I'm still not sure how this sermon's going to go. So it hasn't changed much since then. So I'll just say the same things you said last time. I don't remember what I said last time. Do you remember what I said last time you were here? Most of you know. See, I don't remember either. And so I wouldn't expect you to remember, Allison. It's all okay. I saw that look on your face back there. It's good to have Richard with us today. Richard, thanks for visiting with us. And uh, one of Katie's neighbors. And what? She, where's she at? She leaves you in here and takes off, huh? Is that what she does? Katie's good at that. She just will. Oh, she's in the nursery. She's like in the nursery all the time. I really think she's one of those that loves getting out of church as often as she can. So Richard, later on, ask her, do you like just skipping churches? Because she's been in the nursery like three weeks in a row. She says she's doing it out of the kindness and goodness of her heart, but I'm starting to think she just doesn't want to be in the service. I think that's what it is. So next week, I'm going to trick her. Don't anyone tell her. If she's in the nursery next week, I'm going to go down and preach the message from the nursery. You can all see it from the screen, and I'll preach it directly to her. No, I won't do that. But Richard, it's good to have you today. Thanks for being here with us. Mark chapter 13. We are getting ready to get... We are, if you remember, Jesus has dealt with the scribes, the high priests. He's been in the temple. And the last thing that we saw was that widow giving her mites and how the Lord just was in awe of what she did. And she told the disciples, she's done more than all those that gave so much. And we see that Jesus is going to come out of the temple for the last time. It's still Tuesday of the Lord's final week. He's coming out of the temple for the final time. And what we're going to see today and over the next couple weeks is um, the disciples ask him some questions. When is all this going to take place? How is it going to happen? And Jesus doesn't answer them back with the when and what they wanted to know, but he tells them enough to help them. And so for the next couple Sundays, we're going to talk about the end times. Now, I want you to understand as we dive into this today, I am not giving you a full overview of the end times. We're not in the book of Revelation, and we're not in the book of Daniel right now. We're in the book of Mark. In case you forgot, we're in Mark chapter 13. So we are only going to cover what Mark talks about the next couple weeks. I'm praying about next Sunday. You'll notice in verse 14, we're not getting there today, but in verse 14 it talks about the abomination of desolation as mentioned by Daniel the prophet. So Daniel chapter 9, I would call it the backbone of Bible prophecy. I might go there next week and give you the background or the backbone where all Bible prophecy hangs, but we'll see and we'll pray about this week if I do that or if we continue on further into chapter 13. We'll see what happens there. Some thoughts as we dive in here today. So this is not a full in-depth study of the end times. If you want a better grasp of things, it was last summer or it was the summer before, one of those say one of those yeah one of those i did a series on the end times i went through and you can find it on youtube you could find it on our church website we have a soundcloud for those that use like um this audio soundcloud you go back is it soundcloud is that the name of it joe yeah soundcloud you go back there and you can find all those sermons so if you want in depth about the end times that would be the place to start and even there i didn't go in depth sometime i'm going to do a series through the book of revelation I've been compiling and working on it for years. I just haven't preached it yet. It will be at least 65 weeks long, the series. So it will be a long series. It will take a long time. But it will be, well, hopefully it will be good when we get there. The Bible will be good. My content, who knows? We'll see what happens there. But this is not in-depth. The other thing you've got to realize is, one of the hard things about studying through, the book, through these books and things, you're going to see, we're going to hear some prophecy, but you're going to hear of things that already happened. Like some of the prophecy that we read about today, the, Jesus told Peter, Andrew, James, and John right here that they're going to be taken before the councils. They're going to be beaten. That happened in the book of Acts. So some of the prophecies that we're going to mention today have already unfolded a little bit, but there's more to it. And then you have people all over the place on Bible prophecy. I believe a pre-tribulational rapture. That's what I believe. 
Say, why do you believe that? You can go back and listen to my message where I preach on that fact. I, and maybe next week we'll talk more about it. Because Daniel, his prophecy there, 70 weeks of years have to be accomplished for everything to be complete. That's what Daniel chapter 9 talks about. At 69 weeks of years, that's seven, seven weeks of 69 years, the Messiah was cut off. And Israel's time clock stopped. That means there's one seven-year period left where the Lord works through the Jews. The church does not replace the Jews. There are people that believe that. That's false. Right now, the Lord is working through the Gentiles and through the church. But there will come a day where that clock will begin when the Antichrist signs a treaty with Israel for peace. And we maybe next week we'll go deeper into that. We'll see. And then that seven-year clock begins. Now, there are many Christians out there that are mid-trib and post-tribbers. And they're all bound and set in their ways, and I'm not here. If you say, I'm, and you might be here today, and you're like, pre, mid, post, I don't know. Don't worry about it. There's no, this, all, this is what you need to be worried about today. Are you ready? You need to be worried that you have a ticket to heaven. That's all you need to be worried about. Once you got your ticket, everything else will settle itself, okay? And I've told people, I've had people in my office where they're like, but you're wrong. I'm like, okay, so this is what we'll do. When we're taken up in the rapture, before the tribulation, find me in heaven, and you can tell me that you were wrong. If we're here, and it's opposite of what I said, I will find you and tell you that I was wrong. But as long as we're both saved and know that Jesus Christ is our Savior, we're going to be okay. That's what matters most. So if you say, I don't, I don't know where I'm at in the spectrum, well, maybe next week I'll help you figure that out a little bit better. But we are pre-tribbers around here, most of us. But you say, well, but this is the problem, though. Your mid-tribbers and your post-tribbers say that those pre-tribbers believe we're not going to suffer anything. We have a problem in Christianity today. It's called American Christianity today. We do not know what suffering is. Suffering for us is not having five different brands of our favorite cereal in different flavors. That's suffering today. You realize that, right? You go to the store, I know they say things are getting short on, but there's still tons of things. But I, you know, I like Rice Krispies, but now they have chocolate Rice Krispies. Then they have Rice Krispies with this in it and that. Some places would just like regular Rice Krispies. They'd even settle for the Stater Brothers brand or the Walmart brand. And we have five different brands of the same thing over and over again. We have milk and we have almond and where you get milk out of an almond, I still don't know, but I like it. It, it works. Um, oat milk. You have, you have like thousands of different types of milk. Some places would just be glad to have milk. We have so much and we don't know what suffering truly is. But I want you to understand, as we look at our text today, it doesn't say what all we're going to be here for. We are going to suffer. There's going to be hard times coming. You're like, Pastor, you're supposed to be encouraging this morning. I'll get there later on. It's going to be tough. Hard times are coming to those that love the Lord. We've had it very easy and very good for a long time. But those days are coming. I want you to understand something this morning. Just because we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture, we don't believe that life's going to be easy. What we do know is that by the time we get to verse 14 in this passage, it mentions the abomination of desolation. That is at the midway point of the tribulation. And that's when the wrath of God really starts being unleashed on the earth. Up till then, we're going to be around for a lot of that stuff that takes place. It's the beginning signs of what's coming. So the other thing to think is those who believe in a mid-trib and a post-trib, they take Matthew 24, and that's where they base their doctrine out of. Matthew was written to the Jews. It was written for us to get understanding from, but you must take the Bible in context of who it was written to. The book of Matthew was written to the Jews. So the Jews, those last seven years, there's going to be a lot of stuff they go through that the church does not be a part of. That's why a lot of that you've got to separate and figure out. The book of Mark was written to the Greeks. There are going to be a lot of Greeks that would suffer persecution. And so as we read here today, we're not going into great detail of everything. There'll be enough here to help you or enough to get you wanting more. And we'll see from there. Mark 13, verse number 1. The Bible says, And he went out of the temple 
And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Now when we look at the temple and we think about the temple, Solomon's temple, there was no temple like it. I mean, Solomon's temple, the gold, the beauty, nothing could compare to Solomon's temple. And we know that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it, leveled it. So when the children of Israel went back to Jerusalem, they rebuilt the temple. But they looked, and the beauty of the new temple was nothing to be compared to the old temple. And so, but what happened was Herod reigned over the Jews there in Jerusalem. And one of the things he did to try to gain favor with the people was he put money into the temple. So they put new, they were building extra buildings. They laid gold over everything. He thought by making the temple look really good, he could gain favor with the people. And so this construction went on for about 50 years. So right now, this is about 30 years after the construction began, there are still 20 years of construction that takes place. So when they're walking out of the temple, one of the disciples looks at Jesus and says, look at how beautiful this is. And look at Jesus' response in verse number 2. He says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That's quite a prophecy right there. Now, in Jerusalem today, they have their weeping wall, which they say is a wall of the old temple. Does the Bible say there would be one stone left of the temple? So there's no way that the weeping wall is part of the temple. Say, well, they say it is. I'll always go with Jesus and what he says. And he said there wouldn't be one stone left over. So just a thought. You say, well, I'll go with archaeologists. You go with archaeologists. You go with anyone you want. I'll go with Jesus. And at the end of the day, does it really matter? No, but I like how it says. We should know what the Bible says. Every stone would be unturned. Verse 3 tells us, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. It's neat to think about when you think about the Mount of Olives. Isn't that where Jesus is returning again someday? That's the spot he's coming back. He's sitting there looking down on the temple. And he's only, he doesn't have all 12 disciples with him. He's got four. He's got, normally he would have three, right? Peter, James, and John. We see Andrew's included here. And Andrew, I, I kind of feel bad for Andrew at times. Because Andrew's the one who brought Peter to Jesus. And Peter is always mentioned. Peter's doing all these things, and Andrew's kind of like left in the background. So at this one time, Andrew gets to come along. And they ask Jesus some questions. Let's keep on reading here. It says, in verse, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves. For they shall deliver you up. For they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall, ye be give, shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speaketh, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother that shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have. Guide our thoughts. Guide our actions. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When it comes to Bible prophecy, there are two extremes. You have on one side, you have those that are obsessed with it. That's, they eat 
sleep, drink, Bible prophecy. That's all they do. And nowadays with the internet and everything else, you can get on websites and things. And I know people, they check their websites every day. They turn on the news every day because who knows what's going to happen. I know there are a lot of preachers just not too long ago. You had the Russia and Ukraine thing start. Gog and Magog. I'm sure there were many messages preached about Gog and Magog. So Gog, Magog, what are you talking about? As we get close to the end, there's going to be a battle that takes place in Jerusalem. The Battle of Armageddon, we know that. In that battle, all the armies of the earth come up against Israel to fight them. What will happen is Russia is going to have to get to the northern part of Jerusalem. The only way they can get there is through Ukraine. That's why Ukraine is so important in Bible prophecy. Because they need that area to get to Jerusalem. So you can look at it any way you want. You say, well, and there are many people that preach that message. You say, is this, let me help you today. Do you know when the last day started? When Jesus left. We've been in the last days now for 2,000 years. Say, that's a long time, not with the Lord, because one day is as a thousand days. It's not very long. But we look at it and we think, we've been in the last days a long time. There have been people for a long time saying, the Lord's coming, and guess what? He is coming. But you have those on one side, they just obsess about it. Every little thing. The news comes on or they go outside. It's cloudy outside. The Lord's coming in the clouds. Well, is it cloudy in California? Or is it cloudy over the Mount of Olives where he's coming? Where does it matter where it's cloudy? But sometimes we obsess. But then you have the op, and the Bible talks about those that obsess about it. I believe it's First Timothy or Second Timothy two verse Second Thessalonians two two. They be not soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by a letter as from us, as that the day of the Lord is at hand. Hey, just relax. Don't go overboard. Don't get troubled. Don't let some spirit, some word of somebody, the Lord's coming today. No one knows. Or do you see there were people that were sending out letters that were by Paul and other people that weren't really by them? There were counterfeit letters that were being sent out? Don't be soon shaken. Don't be troubled. Just relax. Don't obsess about prophecy. But then you got the opposite spectrum. Those that minimize it. And those that minimize it, oh, it's been 2,000 years, and they said in the days of Jesus that it was the last days, and then coming, he still hasn't come. The Lord's not going to come. He is going to come. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3, verse number 3 and 4, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And you can, there are two, those are the two extremes. You got those that obsess and those that minimalize it. What we need to do is we need to be in the middle. We need to care about it. It matters. Prophecy matters. But because of what we know, it should lead to action going forward. And we'll leave that there and we'll dive deeper into that later. This morning, I want to give you a three point outline through these verses that we read this morning. First point, number one, as we dive in, there are some things we need to avoid, some dangers to avoid. There are dangers to avoid. Now, we look at verse 1 and 2. It says, And as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stone and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Letter A, don't get caught up in earthly symbols. Don't get caught up in earthly symbols. The disciples walk out of the temple, Lord, this, look at how beautiful this is. Look at this. And it was said that some of the stones on these buildings were 40 feet long, 15 feet high. Get this with me. Our ceiling in here is about 12 feet high. From the, from the wall there to the very back is almost 40 feet. Could you imagine moving a stone like that today with a crane? They had no cranes. That's just, you know, you think about the pyramids. 
But think of how they built those things back in those days. That's an amazing thing that happened. I know it was the aliens that did it, right? But anyways, we'll leave that out. We're not talking about aliens today. We're, we're not talking about, I'm just teasing you. I'm teasing. Don't go there. You say, Pastor, what do you believe about that? You can ask me in my office later on. We're not going down that road right now. But don't get caught up on earthly symbols. The disciples, look at how beautiful this is. And do you know what Jesus was really thinking? Didn't you see what takes place inside? It can be beautiful on the outside. But they're taking advantage of my people in there. They weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping themselves and what they could bring into this place. Sometimes we get caught up on earthly symbols. A couple weeks ago when we had the police officers here, they came in and when they left, they told me, from the looks on the outside of that building, we are shocked how nice the inside of that building is. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. It's beautiful 1896 architecture outside. That's the way they made the building back then. You know, they're like, it has kind of, the, uh, yeah, it's, got, it's, it's a unique building. They're like, it's beautiful on the inside. Like, we didn't expect that from the outside. But, but that's what I want for God's people in this place, in Victory Baptist Church. I want you to take care of your outsides, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if, if the bar needs paint and do what you got to do to it, you know, if you got to well, do whatever you need to do, comb your hair, brush your teeth, that's a good thing. Maybe Russ will quit passing out mints all the time, everyone just brush your teeth before they come to church, save. I don't know if that's a compliment or if Russ is being nice when he brings me a mint, or if he's saying, you know, pastor, your, your breath stinks, here's a mint. I don't know, and don't answer that right now, I no, just, no. Yeah, don't say a word. I know you. I don't go there. But that's how it should be as in this church. The outside gets taken care of, but the inside's better. The temple was opposite. The temple was beautiful in these magnificent buildings, but inside it was wicked what was taking place. And Jesus said this temple's going to be torn down. Don't get too caught up on your earthly symbols. Hey, don't get too caught up on the beauty of your buildings. You know, this building doesn't make the church. This church doesn't need this building. We don't. Sometimes, oh, we got nice carpet, we got nice chairs. Praise God for those things. But if there aren't people here messing them up, then what's the point in having them? Say, oh, we, yeah, we need to take care of things. We need to take care of what God's given to us. But where no oxen are, the crib is clean. We want to keep everything nice and looking good in here. Let's just have no people in here. That's how you keep it nice and clean. The more people you have in here, the more kids you have in here, the dirtier it's going to get. Just don't get too caught up on the earthly symbols. Jesus said the temple is going to be destroyed. We know that about 35, 40 years later, that the temple was destroyed completely. Say, why was the temple destroyed? Because they didn't need it anymore. The ultimate sacrifice had been made. There was no need for it. Now, as we get closer to the end, we know, and you think about that, just think, just think about that fact. I was thinking about it the other day. We don't need a temple to go worship God. He lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost today. Think about that one. That just, that just amazes me. I could go off on that the rest of the day. We wouldn't finish our sermon. Don't get caught up too much on earthly things. The temple was destroyed, but do you know that before the end is here, they're going to build a third temple? Because the abomination of desolation mentioned in verse 14 is done in the temple. Why? Because Israel doesn't realize that Jesus Christ was the sacrifice that was made for all. We've got to be careful not to get caught up in earthly symbols. Letter B, here you go, some other don'ts. Don't set dates. Don't set dates. Look what the disciples asked Jesus next. They say in verse 3 and 4, it says, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Daniel asked the question, Daniel 12, 6, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And you know, the Lord never gave an answer. Jesus didn't tell them here. And sometimes we get so caught up, when's it going to take place? And there are lots of people that 
get caught up in setting dates. Several years ago, a near and dear family to my heart, they, they both passed away, the camping family, Roger and Johnny. They both passed away about a year ago. They lived right around the corner. They came to our church for probably six or seven years off and on. And I remember when I went to their house the first time and I sat down and I was talking to them. And we got talking and they were telling me their last name's Camping. Can you think of a famous guy that set dates for the Lord to return name Camping? Harold Camping was his name. Now they told me their background and things and I'm thinking to myself, Dutch, all this, I bet they're related to Harold. I wasn't going to bring it up. And then Roger's like, Have you ever heard of my uncle before? He's kind of the black sheep of the family, always setting these dates. I'm like, Harold is your uncle. Yeah. We try to tell him you can't set dates on the Lord. The Lord has his own timetable. He doesn't go by our dates. But he couldn't figure it out. When's the Lord coming? What day? Don't get stuck on dates. And when anyone tells you this is the day the Lord's coming, it's probably not going to happen that day because no man knows the hour of the Lord's coming. But I'll tell you this this morning. He is coming again. He's coming again, and praise God for that. We look and we continue on here. So we've got to be careful. Don't get too caught up in earthly symbols. Don't set dates. Let her see. Don't be led astray by spiritual imposters. Look there at verse number 5 and 6, it says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. First John 2, verse number 18, the Bible tells us, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. And John's saying we know it's the last days because there are many antichrists in the world then. And there are many here today preaching a false Christ. If it's not the Christ of the Bible, the way, the truth, the life, then they're not preaching the right Christ. And you've got to be careful. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, verse number 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world and the day and age of the internet and all that we have today you got to be very careful don't believe everything some preacher says don't believe every little thing say well how am i supposed to how am i supposed to try the spirit of there of gods if it matches up with this you're in good company if it doesn't match up with this or someone gives you some new revelation that's not in this book don't follow it stay away from it stick to the book because there's going to be many false prophets that come, many imposters that come. Don't be led astray. And then this one, letter D, don't get anxious. Sometimes we hear about the end, and we're getting all worried about it. Oh no, oh no. There's wars, rumors. What does it say there? Look what Jesus says, verse 7 and 8. And when he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. Hey, don't get anxious don't worry about it, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Don't get anxious. The beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows. Birthing pains. Ladies, those who have given birth to children, when the contractions start, the water breaks, you have that look in your eyes. I know what look we're talking about, yep. You know it's getting close. How do we know that the end is getting close, that the tribulation's coming. How do we know? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Kingdom's going to be divided against kingdom. There's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. There's going to be famines 
there's going to be a lot of craziness in the world. But Christian, don't worry about it. You know, the past couple of years, <laughs> we look at COVID, and I, uh, I, I, be careful to even word some of the things I say, but and not say it. But we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We believe in Him, right? This world that does not know Jesus, they should fear everything that takes place. If there's a worldwide plague that comes, a non-Christian should fear it because they don't know what's going to happen to them. Financial crisis comes and gas prices go high, this world should fear it because how are they going to handle it? What are they going to do? This world goes through things. They should be troubled. They should be anxious. There should be issues. But as a Christian today that knows Jesus Christ as our Savior, there is no excuse for a Christian to be anxious, to be fearful, because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Be not soon shaken. The Bible talks about in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your evenness be known unto all men. The Lord's at hand. And one of the things I've seen in Christians the past two years, they're up and down and they're everywhere. Why? No, 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 no. Be a witness for God. Stand up. Trust him today. And yes, the world's going to toss a bunch of junk at us. Yes, there's going to be tough days that come. Yeah, there's hardships coming. Yeah, it's not going to get easier. But we need to be known as being able to handle it. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Hey, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I get why this world fears everything. I don't get why the Christian does. Who do you trust? If you're trusting in the Lord, you've got nothing to worry about. And I get it. There are going to be moments where we have those fears. Get a call from the doctor. And you've got to deal with something. There's going to be moments of anxiety. There's going to be moments of fear. But do you know the worst thing that can happen in this world is the best thing that could ever happen to us. Now, I would much rather go in my sleep. You know, someday when the Lord's ready for me in my sleep, that would be good for me. I would, that would, that would be appreciated. But we don't control any of that. But the worst thing that could happen to me in this world will be the best thing that ever happened to me, to be with Jesus. Don't let this world shake you. You know what the news wants to do? It wants to shake you. It wants you to worry, 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 worry. And if it's not, and this is the thing, it goes from COVID to Russia, Ukraine. Gas prices, it's going to be something else next week or the following week. There's always going to be something. When's the last time you turn on the news and all they did is, let's take a break from all the bad things in the world, just tell you how good ever, how good God is, and let's just share some goodness with you. They don't even, they, you, you know, on the news every once in a while, they'd have a good story at the end, an encouraging story of some sort. My parents used to, they watch the news constantly. Oh, I still, yeah. And so was, you would start ABC 7 at 4 in the afternoon, my parents would, 4, 5, and 6, World News at 6.30, Jeopardy at 7, Wheel of Fortune 7.30. That's the way, it would, that's what would be on in my house. Wheel of Fortune. Anyways. Oh, I can't stay. I hear that start coming on, and, and we're down visiting my parents. Start, and my kids are like, yes, we want to watch. I'm like, no, no, don't do this to me. Anyway, so some things to avoid. Be careful. Some dangers to avoid. Don't get caught up in earthly symbols. Don't set dates. Don't be led astray by spiritual imposters, and don't get anxious. Now, let's talk for a few minutes about what's ahead. What is ahead? This is not going to be super encouraging, but we'll start with it, okay? So number two is what's ahead, the reality of what's coming. Letter A, 
hardship is coming. It is. It is coming. We look at number, verse number 9. It says, Take heed to yourselves, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you to, up to councils, and the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Now, as I mentioned to you, aren't some of those, haven't some of those things been fulfilled? Were the, were the disciples in the book of Acts taken before councils? Was Paul taken before kings? Yes, those things, some of those things have played out. But the gist of it is hardship's coming. Don't you see it in our world today? It's coming. You know, in America, with this COVID thing, churches got fined if they met. See, in Canada, pastors went to jail. It's all leading somewhere. Do you realize in our world today that what used to be, oh, what's the wording I want to use? I have it in my notes, and I'm blanking on the way I want to word this. But um, you think about what was condemned in our world 50 years ago. Homosexuality, adultery, fornication is now celebrated. What was condemned to even be on television? Do you realize Ricky and Lucy were married and they still didn't share the same bed on I Love Lucy? They were, yeah, and the pregnancy, yeah. Look today. The more adultery, the more fornication in a movie, the better. What was condemned is celebrated. And those that condemn and stand for the truth, it's called hate speech now. And it's going to get even worse. But just because our world changes doesn't mean that God changes. God's word is still true today. And we need to stand for the truth of God's word. Now, we need to be loving about it, too. Man, I was somewhere yesterday, and this whole group of Christians were out there, and they had these big signs. And I was at a Christian thing yesterday, and these Christians were out there, God hates you, you know, and they, you need to repent. And this woman was preaching away, and I, I, uh, I was just walking. I said, what about that verse about women preachers? I said that, but I didn't say it loud enough. I don't think she could hear me. And, uh, but it was, that's not what we need in this world. That doesn't help anything at all. But we got to stand for the truth. Hardship's going to come. And it's going to get harder to be a Christian. It's going to be. Are you going to stand for the truth as those days get harder? It's going to get harder. Something else that's going to happen, letter B, is the gospel's going to get shared. Look at the next verse. This verse, and I'll tell you something in just a second, but look at the next verse, verse number 10. It says... And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Every nation has to have the gospel for the end to play out. Last night, we went to, Caroline and I went to a Christian concert last night. While we were there, they, um, they talked about the fact that there are 3,700 languages and dialects that have no Bible at all. 3,700, over 1 billion people have no Bible in the world today. There's a group of people working on translating the Bible into those 3,700 languages, and they say by 2032, the Bible will be in every language for everyone to have. I thought about that last night. What was that verse that we just read? The gospel's got to be published to all nations, right? That could be part of that prophecy right there. Because you can't get the gospel somewhere without the word of God, correct? So for every nation and every people to have the Bible, think about that. That's an awesome thought right there. But everyone's got it, the Bible, and it says it must. It has to happen. That's what it says right there before our eyes. So as we get closer, and what's ahead? Hardship's ahead, but the gospel gets preached. And may I just say, we live in a day and we got, oh, serving Jesus is so hard and people don't want to receive Jesus and blah, blah, blah. Do you realize the gospel still is just as good as it's ever been? 
And people still want Jesus all over the place? They do. They do. People are missing the truth. They need the truth. Jesus is that truth that we're missing in this world today. And so there's going to be hardships. The gospel's going to be shared. And then let her see there's going to be help from the Holy Spirit in those days. Something, I, I love this verse. Look at it. I take, I take what Jesus says literal. Look at verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Think about when Peter stood before councils. That was the Holy Ghost speaking through him. When Stephen was before that crowd, that was the Holy Ghost speaking through Stephen. When Paul was before councils and before leaders, that was the Holy Spirit speaking. And when times get tough, and they will, and as the gospel is shared, and as persecution comes, because it will, the Lord will help those that serve him. And the Holy Spirit will help us through those days. And one of the reasons why I believe that this is talking about events before the tribulation, it's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is still here. He that will let is still letting till he's taken out. That's more thoughts for another time. Help with the, from the Holy Spirit, and then there's going to be hatred from those close to us. Brother's going to rise up against brother. Father against son. Son against father. And we're going to be hated of all men because of Jesus and his name. Now, some folks get a little confused, that last little phrase there in verse number 11. It says, or verse 13, it says, and he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Well, that's, that means if, if, you la if you stay faithful to the Lord, then you're saved. That's not what that means. That's a works-based salvation. The Bible does not preach a works-based salvation. And this is where, okay, I'm not, I'm, I could go down a big rabbit trail here, but I'm not going to because it's already 1110. We still got point three to get into. I could go down a big rabbit trail here. There are those that say in the Old Testament people had to, they were saved by their works. And that's the way it worked till Jesus died, then it changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. He does not change. The way we get saved today is the same way they got saved in the Old Testament. They looked forward to Christ. We look back to Christ because God doesn't change and salvation doesn't change. In the end time, salvation doesn't change either. It still is through Jesus Christ. But all those men that hate you are going to look at you, and if you stay faithful to the Lord, they're going to realize they really are who they say they are. That's what that's referring to right there. So, there's some things to avoid. We see what life is going to be like. So the big question, and how we close this morning, how do I live in the last days? And did I tell you already? We've been in the last days now for a long time, okay? How do we live? Let me give you these quick and we'll be done. Number one, or letter A, live out your faith. Live out your faith. Live out your faith. Letter B, it should say prioritize your life. Not priorities your life. Prioritize your life. I like what D.L. Moody once said, I've been working three times as hard since I came to understand that my Lord is coming again. Live in light of his coming. Don't be caught sleeping. We have four children, and uh, Caroline gave birth to our four children, but I was there, and that's a tough job for any guy to be there when his wife gives birth. Ladies just don't understand that. They like, oh, you don't know, whatever. It is tough to be the man in that situation, okay? Ladies, have you ever tried it? You have not, so you don't know. It is tough for us men. Now, I will tell you, 
I'd much rather be the man than the lady in the situation, okay? I get that. If men gave birth to children, there would be one and no more in every family. I remember when Caroline was pregnant with Alyssa and she was getting excited. I'm like, don't you remember what you went through? There was pain and things, but I'm excited. And then back in the hospital room, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember too. I, have, I still have nightmares every once in a while. You know, anyways, with William, our firstborn, we were thinking we were going to live, I was going to pastor, I thought, over near Redlands area. We ended up here in Chino, and a month into starting a church, we ended up here at Victory. And uh, so our hospital was Loma Linda. And for some reason, Caroline had this crazy thing with all four kids. Wednesday night was her night after church. That's the time we always went to the hospital. She, I don't know, the Lord worked that out for her. I told her, you have to do it at this time. It's got to fit into my schedule. I never said that once. But um, so went to church that Wednesday before William came. And with William, we had our bags packed. I mean, there was a bag by the door three weeks early. We're ready at any time. We go to the hospital that Wednesday night, and they're like, you're only a couple centimeters dilated. You can go home. And, you know, and so we're walking around outside, and I'm holding her hand. Let go. Don't touch me. Okay, what? This is your fault. Okay. I'm walking, and then she's like, hold my hand. I'm like, you just told me not, no, okay, whatever you say, I'll do whatever you want right now. Walked around the house, then we're driving back, and you know, don't hit the potholes. Quit bump, quit going over bumps. We're on California roads. That's all there is, is potholes. And 45 minutes of that, we get home. Thursday, we go back. And after 30 hours of labor, William finally came. I would say we were the most, we were ready for William. Yeah. Alyssa was due around our anniversary date, August 26th. So three weeks before, three, almost four weeks before that, we went on a little trip to get away for our anniversary before she was going to come. And we just went on a little bike ride. Who knew what the bike ride could do? But anyways, we come back. It's Wednesday night. Church is getting ready to start. And so Caroline's at home, not feeling great. And she was throwing up a little bit. And so I have church. I come home. And she's just got that look on her face. And that look, I'm like, let's just go get checked just in case. We'll just go to the hospital, get checked. So we went to Pomona Valley, and I just thought she was sick or dehydrated from riding the bike and doing things. And they hooked that thing up to her stomach, and it looked like an earthquake was happening. I'm like, oh, no. There is no backpack. We got nothing. We brought nothing with us. We are not prepared in the least. And, yeah, that was quite, the, quite different from the first time around. Christian, are you ready for the Lord's return? Are you living out your Christianity? Are your priorities right today? Your priorities, are you ready? God, number one. God should be number one. Most important. Number two, your spouse. Under God, your spouse. Number three, your children. Your children are under your spouse. Not on the same level, under Number four, your ministry that you serve in. And number five should be our work. That should be our priority list. You might say, well, my priorities are different. You have your priorities however you want them to be. You figure that out for yourself. God should be number one. Today, though, it's sad among Christians. We put our families above God. We put everything above God. Sometimes people put their ministry over God. How can you put your ministry over God? God is the one who gives you ministry. Then you got those who put ministry over family. And if you get that out of whack, your first ministry is your family. And if you don't take care of that first ministry, you cannot serve any place else, right? That's the way it works. But our priorities matter. Be ready. Get your bags packed. Be ready for the Lord to come. Don't be caught going to the hospital with nothing and not prepared three weeks early. Because you, you don't know when the Lord's coming. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Let her see. Let's get through these last couple. Encourage one another. If we get closer to the Lord returning, encourage one another. That's what church is for. The Bible tells Hebrews 10, verse number 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and some do. They forsake the assembling together with God's people. Don't do that. But exhorting, encouraging one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. I would say this, your church attendance should be better today than what it was years ago because we are getting closer to the Lord returning. 
And we need to be in church encouraging, provoking one another to do what's right, living for God, and not forsaking the assembling of God's people. Letter D. We need to tell people about Jesus. If all you do is study prophecy, and prophecy doesn't make you want to go tell someone about Jesus, you're missing out on what's truly important. What's truly important is getting the gospel to the lost. They need the gospel. And then letter E and last, maybe you don't have a ticket. You can't pack your bags and be ready to go if you don't have your ticket bought and paid for. Last time I checked, though, you and I can't buy our own ticket to heaven. You've got to receive Christ today. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse 8 through 10, look at these verses with me as we close. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. That's why 2,000 years, these last days have been going on here on earth, it's as a day to the Lord. It's nothing. And look what the Bible says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why the Lord hasn't come yet? Because there's another person that needs to get saved. There might be someone in the service or watching online this morning. The Lord's been waiting for you to get saved. He's, he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and all the works that therein shall be burned up. Live out your faith. Make your priorities right. Share the gospel. If you're not saved this morning, you need to trust him. If you're sitting here this morning and you're nervous, Pastor, I just don't know what's going to happen to me. You know I'm not nervous about what's going to happen to me? I know that the last second I take my last breath here on earth, whenever that is, it's going to be my first breath in eternity with God. Not because I'm such a good person, not because I'm so smart, which I am, but not because of any of those things. The reason why is because I know I'm a sinner. I know there's a penalty for my sin. I realize that Jesus Christ paid it. And I've turned from what I thought was salvation, I turned to Jesus Christ and I put my faith and trust in Him and His death on the cross and His resurrection. What is salvation? Salvation is believing that Jesus Christ died and rose again. That's what salvation is. A lot of people want to preach a works salvation. We preach a done salvation. Jesus did it. It's done. Jesus paid it all and all to Him I owe. If you're here this morning and don't know Christ as your Savior, the best decision you could ever make in the world this morning would be to trust Christ and to know Him. If you would this morning, if everyone would bow their head and close their eyes, we're going to have a moment this morning.